five, four, three, two, one. Hello, children, and welcome to episode 17 of the On My Dime, On Your Time podcast featuring IO of the Fashion Archive YouTube channel. Bit of a mistake at the at the end of the episode, he's going to say his Instagram handle, but he actually changed it back to at Fashion Roadman because some of y'all bullied him into changing it back. So I hope you're happy. Great conversation. We talk about imposter syndrome a little bit. We talk about like the current landscape of social media again, like with all the clones and stuff. And I think IO gave some really interesting insight. If you guys want to see more episodes like this, make sure to drop me a review on Apple Podcasts and download the episodes on Spotify. It really helps me out a ton. And send me a DM on Instagram at on my dime on your time podcast for any future guests you'd like me to have on the show. And drop me a follow there as well, because that's where you're going to be updated for upcoming guests and information like that as regards to the future of the podcast. All right, with that, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right, man. So we'll jump right into it. So like, what are your thoughts on the current like social media landscape, like surrounding fashion with like the clones and stuff? I don't know if you saw that video from Keezy. He was talking about like all the clones and like the oversaturation and stuff. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, when he was talking about the clones, from what perspective do you mean, though? Like, everyone on Instagram kind of dressing like everybody else. Like, there's, right. like, a certain look that, gen- <laughs> like, at, at this current, like, time, there's a certain look that is, like, <laughs> almost guaranteed to get you noticed or get you likes on social yeah. media. And everybody's pushing that narrative. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to, like, what your goal is. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people's goals when they start is, like, I don't know, maybe they want to build a big social media following. But you actually realize that the most influential people that's not that end up having a big following, that's not actually the motivation for why they started. Mm-hmm. So like Keezy, for example, wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to get loads of followers. He was just really passionate about streetwear and just shared his passion and people liked his passion and he kind of grew from that. Um, I think it's, it's more people trying to like artificially just garner a following um and i don't know i think social media now definitely is more of like a thing where it's a bit more sexy to have a lot of followers and stuff so that's kind of what people aspire to so i think that's why people dress a certain way or people are dressing really similar mm-hmm. yeah no, i wasn't like trying to like offend like keys or anything i'm just saying because like, oh no no <laughs> yeah, yeah like i love the guy man makes good stuff yeah like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about like the clones and stuff that's why like i mentioned it but, yeah yeah like with that with all that being said do you think it's even worth like i don't want to like stop anybody from doing what you want like with all like like do whatever you want to do but is it really worth do you think getting into like fashion through youtube or instagram with the current climate and with the oversaturation and stuff like like it like unless you can unless you know you can bring that individuality is it worth like starting starting out like starting a YouTube channel, I think if you have a unique selling point, because I remember when I started my channel, and that was even, that was like three years ago, and people said, there's no point starting a channel, there's so many channel fashion channels on YouTube already, like you're not really gonna, and Keezy became like really big, I think, last year, so I don't think it's ever too late to be honest. I think so long as you have a unique selling point, like everyone I've seen is unique. Like if I just think of like the fashion YouTube sphere, 
from like Kyron's style is different to like Sandy's style, which is different to my videos, which is different to Keezy's focus. It's all different. I think if you have a unique selling point, then yes. But if you're just going to copy someone you've seen, then you're just going to be known as like a lesser version of that person. So then in that case, there is no point. But I feel like if you have something unique to say, that it's never too late, personally. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, 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 I haven't been, I'm only straight up, I haven't been following you for like all that long, maybe in the past like 10 months or so. But I, yeah. I saw like, a, I like scanned through one of the videos that you made. It's like, why you don't, why you like, in, like don't use social media as like normal, as normal influencers do, right? Like you don't post outfit photos or yeah. like you don't like your YouTube channel isn't populated with styling videos. You're more on the educational side. What made you decide to distance yourself from that aspect of like being a fashion creator? Um, part of it was because like the start of it is mainly because I wanted to be authentic and I didn't want to um, do what everyone else does. I'm just going to be seen as like, oh, he's trying to be like this person. So that was part of it. Secondly was like as a career, like obviously I study journalism and my goal is to be a journalist and like journalists don't like your job isn't to wear like style clothes. Your job is to like write about fashion, have a critical perspective on fashion. So it's really, really what I do through YouTube is just really practicing for my future job, to be honest. Okay. That's um, so that was really why I went the educational route. Mm -hmm. Like what made you decide to get into like fashion from like a journalism standpoint? Because a lot of people like aren't doing that. Like it's, it's very unique and you do the job very well. So like what made you get into journalism? Um, so I did an, a design, well, two design internships actually. And through those internships, I realized that I'm really passionate about fashion. I really love it, but I'm just not a good designer. Like I was never going to be the next, I don't know, Karl Lagerfeld or Balenciaga or whatever. That was never going to be me. Like I don't have that sort of potential from design. So I sat down and thought, okay, what am I good at? And where could I make my mark in the industry? So at the time I was a photographer, I was a videographer, and I also used to write. So I thought, okay, I'm interested in fashion. Why don't I try and like do some research, read some books and then see where I go with it. And then how, why I actually made my channel was I read this book on, I think Scandinavian fashion, Scandinavian contemporary fashion. It was about like acne studios and brands like that. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I found myself in like a rabbit hole of reading these books. And then I started to make YouTube videos talking about what I was reading about. And then it just kind of, caught on and then i just continued doing it okay so like yeah. it, it started really organically with like with you then yeah okay awesome so like this is a question like about like a recent video that i that you produced about like overconsumption in fashion and just to make sure i have all the facts right you were you were saying <laughs> that you used to be concerned with like having like the surface level things like portraying on social media that you had like money or whatever it is or like yeah wow <laughs> maybe yeah but then you didn't really care about what's important which is like you, you were talking about finances like maybe you were self saving for a future home or like kids in the future perhaps and then like now you've reached a stage where your content kind of is your selling is like obviously your selling point and you don't really care what people say to you like with regards to the clothes that you wear yeah and you also said that you met you in the past you went through a bit of like an overconsumption phase right yeah do you think that going through that phase was necessary in creating that shift in you where you don't really 
care about what others think about you with regards to the clothes that you wear and you don't like engage in overconsumption or is there a way of like fast tracking that process in some way other than just being aware of your own spending habits and the impact that you're making on the environment? Yeah, I don't think I could have personally fast tracked it only because I just, I wasn't really aware of what I was doing because the reason why I started to really think was actually, I read this book about fashion marketing um, by one of my friends, her name's Professor Olga Mitterfauna. Um, she is a professor at the London College of Fashion. Well, she was, now she's a professor at University of Westminster. And um, when I read that book, it was basically just talking about like what fashion brands do in terms of marketing to get people to buy things and the ways that fashion brands have manipulated people to buy stuff and how they use psychology in marketing. And then it really, really made me think like, am I buying this because I actually like it? Or am I buying it because of the way it was marketed or because I'm trying to prove that I'm like a fashion person? And then it really made me think. And then I really had to sit down and come to the conclusion that, yeah, you're like buying stuff that you don't necessarily like. This is kind of just you trying to appeal or appear a certain way in front of people on social media. So I think from that point onwards, I really started to think like every purchase that I was making, does this make sense? Is this even worth the money? Do I really actually like this? How much am I going to wear this um, type of stuff? Um, so I think going through it was definitely necessary. Mm -hmm. is, do you think like, in hindsight, do you think there is a way of fast tracking that process? Like for me, I'm, I'm starting to become more aware of like my spending habits and stuff. And like, I'm a student, so I can't really afford like yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the expensive stuff. So do you think there is a way of fast tracking that process? Um, I'll say read the book. <laughs> That's definitely a way of fast checking. Um, it's called, wait, it's called fashion marketing and something, but I'll, I can search for it now. Actually. Sure. Even if you have like the name of the author, like Olga, I, I don't. Oh, Mitterfauna. So M I T T E R. Yep. F E L. I think it's L L N E R. Beautiful. Okay. I'm, I'm definitely going to check out that book cause I'm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so it's called Fashion Marketing and Communication Theory and Practice. So, such an amazing book to read. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Like, is, is it more of like a fashion? Is it like very deep into fashion or is it more like kind of surface level in fashion? It's more about like other stuff as well. Oh, no, it's specific to fashion, like okay. fashion marketing. But it talks about, there are case studies in it that talk about different things like diamonds and how they are marketed because there was like psychology used to like convince people that like you have to buy diamonds if you get engaged and stuff like that so it kind of goes into other aspects as well but yeah I just want to get a little bit deeper on that like how did you come to the realization that there were some pieces that you want like that you wanted and then there were some like you wanted because of the way they were marketed and there were some pieces that you actually wanted like how, how like where is that line for you and how did you come and find that okay so how i came to the realization actually was so there's some pieces that across the board if you were well back then at least maybe now they're seen as sort of i don't know cringy but back then if you wore them you'll be seen as like a fashion person so there's things like isse miyake um please there's um, things like just anything Rick Owens, really. Um, 
there's just some very like specific things that if you wear or like archive helmet lang and things like that and the brands i'm into now and i was kind of into at the time like martin rose no one really knows or cares about those brands and it was more of a thing where it was like i'd wear all this stuff that i personally liked and then no one would talk about it and it wouldn't get any traction online so i'm like okay let me just like give people what they want and see how that goes and then that's what led me to like start buying stuff that I personally didn't really like. I was the whole motivation for it was just like to be seen as a fashion person, quote unquote. So obviously when I started, when I read that book and then started to realize, yeah, I don't actually like this. This is the reason why I'm doing it. So then I had to stop doing that. Oh, okay. Nice. That, that's very interesting that you came across yeah. like that, that. Yeah. Um, like I'm sure you saw in like the in the PDF that I sent you I had a question about the Rick Owens and Montclair collab, but then you made yeah. a video about it. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so like, what do you think the future of collabs is going to be like in light of like that controversy? Yeah, I think well, there's there are amazing clubs, obviously like Nike club with people, and the quality of stuff isn't like terrible. Um, I think just specifically, hopefully, if that gets a lot of traction, I think a lot of people take collabs more seriously, especially in the collaboration front, because like Rick Owens, massive brand, Montclair, even bigger brand. Montclair, like the thing about Montclair that confuses me about that collab and the quality of it is Montclair was built on quality. Like the heritage of Montclair is making performance jackets for extreme climates and for skiing. So how do you go from that to printing on like five dollar blanks like it's actually beyond me um so i think also it's like for me at least with my channel it's all about educating consumers because i feel like consumers have all the power because ultimately if people if consumers collectively say we're not buying this and the reason we're not buying any of this is because the quality isn't good enough at the end of the day companies all they care about is profit so if they do if they know there's something they're doing that means they can't make any money they will change because they're forced into a corner. So to me, it's all about education. And when the consumers become a bit more educated on these things, then it will just force change. Mm -hmm. Did did people really expect like a cut and sew hat? The whole like I'm just trying to think. It was like you see the hat and it's like it's it's kind of <laughs> obvious that it's a blank. I don't I don't really I'm not, I don't also I also don't know very yeah. much about like anything. yeah so like. Did people really expect that cut and sew product? No, aesthetically, it looks like a blank. I'm sure people expected a blank. I think for me, it was important to highlight it, though, because of the heritage of both brands, just to show that, yeah, these brands actually do this. So, like, before you spend 200 euros on a, on a hat, in case you didn't know, this is what you're paying for. You're paying for the name because, actually, it's just a blank. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it was quite obvious, I feel like, just based on how it looked. It didn't look like a high high quality hat yeah no i saw it i'm just like something's <laughs> up like <laughs> even if it was cut in so i'd be like you could probably do better I yeah think. they putting in the work then i don't know man like <laughs> yeah oh man i lost my train of thought what was i gonna say uh that's cool yeah do you think people like are people more frustrated, do you think, about this, like, controversy than others in the past? Like, I'm, I'm sure, like, 
like like back in the back in like the 2010s it was like um anti-social social club they yeah, were social they found that they were yeah. i think supreme printed on blanks ones yeah i think people are more mad about rick owens because like he's basically like god tier in like the fashion community yeah. and, like, they expect so much that it's like oh shoot you did this but then everybody's kind of making it with blanks i don't, I don't i'm just kind of spitballing. yeah i think with rick owens why it's more of an issue is because like supreme the whole marketing of supreme is about like being anti-establishment like it's just it's all about like fuck the system type of thing so for supreme it kind of makes sense for them to do that anti-social social club it was just a cash grab everyone knew that but also the price point isn't expensive as rick owens yeah. like anti-social social club their most expensive thing was probably like the hoodies which was maybe close to 200 dollars now rick owens with their blanks they were charging 200 euros for the hat that's more expensive than anything anti-social social club had so it's a it's a combination of the price point with the fact they're printing blanks i think for me personally, if you're printing blanks and you sell it for 30 euros, I don't care. Mm. Like it's a blank plus your name. Okay, I could see why there's like, you've brought up the price a bit, but for 200 euros, that's where it gets in a territory that's like insane. Yeah. I'm, I'm just excited to see what happens in the future, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's like an apology maybe, I, I have no idea. No, they definitely won't apologize. That's bad press, but they will, they might, think okay maybe you shouldn't do this again but then who knows maybe they'll just do it again they know a few people get angry it's gonna pass and then move on to the next one yeah, like i mean all press is kind of good press right to yeah exactly <laughs> i'm sure a lot more people know about rick owens now maybe like one yeah people know. i don't know you kind of touched on this earlier but do you have like a met like something you'd like to say to like some of the up-and-coming influencers that want that feel the need to like Overconsume on Instagram and YouTube because, like, just doing a quick look at like if I if I search up like like how to like men's fashion on YouTube, all the videos are like recent pickups and how to style. Like with the real like popularity surrounding that, there's a need to overconsume. And even like with yeah. I, I'm just doing Instagram for fun, but like it's I feel like I'm running out of ideas with like the outfits that I that I make and I'm yeah. the same outfit every week. <laughs> so like, what would you say to like, what's your response to that? Yeah, I think uh, there's so many, many things to actually. I think, first of all, it's good to try and come up with a content idea that doesn't rely on something that can become repetitive. So, like, for example, with my channel, I could literally talk about anything because I've kind of set it up that way. So if I want to review, I don't know, a Netflix show about fashion, I could do that. If I want to review the analyze a runway show I could do that or we'll talk about a controversy or we'll talk about fashion news I think when you start making too many styling videos back to back you put yourself in a box and then when you start making styling videos you're forced to buy new stuff or get new outfits constantly and you put yourself in a very restrictive place where especially if you don't have a lot of money it can get really rough trying to make content um, so to me, I'd say stay away from that. Or if you like styling videos, try and balance it with something else. Um, but even, I don't know, apart from that, I feel like people just don't care. I think when I was doing the whole thing, like trying to appear like a fashion person, it's because in my head, I thought people cared more than they did, but really people actually didn't care. 
about what I wore. It was just in my head because now I just wear t-shirts in every video and no one cares, no one talks about it. They still, they just comment about what I say in the video. So like actually just be yourself really. I think people gravitate towards like personalities more so than like specifically what you're wearing and stuff like that. Absolutely. It's funny, like way back when, I think it was in like maybe July or June of last year, I was, I was in two minds. I was like, I'm either going to start a podcast <laughs> or a YouTube channel. <laughs> and I was like, I kind of took like a leaf from your book and I'm like, okay, I'm going to not like put myself on it so that no one like roasts my outfits or whatever. <laughs> I make good content, <laughs> try to interview good people, learn a little bit more, make it a little bit deeper than, than fashion can be. Yeah. I don't know. You can. The good thing is, you can move your podcast to YouTube, though. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Like I have all the recordings. Like maybe one day. Yeah. But yeah, that's the procrastination shit. <laughs> like I'll, yeah. I'll do it. I don't know. <laughs> um, bit of a weird one. What's something you like when you saw the list of like PDF like questions that I sent you? What's what's a question you wish like was on there, or you wish something wish like more people knew about you, or something to that extent? Uh. I'm not sure actually. That's that's actually a really good question. Hmm. I think I think the the only thing for me is that I think people should know about me is like I think people perceive me as like <laughs> this guy who like knows everything, which is so far from the truth. Like I know so little is actually insane. I think what I do perfectly is I only talk about stuff that I read about, which is not many things. So then it, it creates this illusion of like, oh, he's so knowledgeable. And then people start asking me loads of questions and I'm like, I really don't know the answer to that. Um, so what I will say is like, sometimes I do have this feeling of like imposter syndrome, especially because like a lot of like really established, really intelligent, like fashion historians and journalists, they like follow my stuff and they'll be like, oh, I really like your stuff. And I'm like, these are people that have like knowledge that I probably won't acquire till I'm like in my sixties. And I just have this like imposter syndrome, like, Oh my God, like what if I say like one wrong thing or like I get one thing wrong. Um, so that's definitely something I like gripe with, which is why sometimes it takes me so long to make videos. Cause I just like go over stuff like over and over and over again. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's one thing I think people don't know about me because it, I might come across as like this really overly confident person that like knows this stuff, but that's far from the truth. Okay, straight up, I appreciate the humility, but also don't sell yourself short. Like you do <laughs> a lot, like straight up, like people <laughs> right? Like, going back to imposter syndrome, that's really interesting. So how do you like, I'm sure that like that affects you like when you read like your comment sections or whatever. So how do you deal with that? Because it's, it's something like I've been experiencing and like a few of my friends have been experiencing as well in their respective fields. I just wanted to hear about that. Yeah, I think, well, like I said, the thing about like my audience is such a mix from like people just learning about fashion to people in the middle, to people who know a lot about the stuff I talk about, to people who are like, like lecturers and historians. Like, um, so that person who wrote that book about fashion marketing, um, how I became friends with her actually is because she saw one of my YouTube videos and she really liked it. And then she invited me to give a lecture about it at the London College of Fashion. Wow. And then after that, we kind of just became friends and like we meet up quite regularly and stuff. And it's like, those are the type of people that like comment on my videos sometimes and they comment some insightful stuff like from angles I never would have seen 
or like thought to talk about in a video. I'm like, damn, I really don't know this stuff. And that's where the imposter syndrome kicks in. Like, damn, like I should probably know all these things before like making this video. And it's not like anything I say in the video is wrong. It's just like the added context because those people are like so knowledgeable. Um, but I think the way I deal with it is more so at the end of the day, first of all, nothing in the video is wrong. It's just that it could be better. And then secondly is part majority of my audience, they're not like professors. So for the most part, I'm helping people in their journey in fashion and then they will find themselves kind of like where they position themselves in the industry or what brands they like or what they decide to read about. Okay. So like you're kind of helping like the people who are learning and then there's people who are more learned than you are and they're helping. Yeah, you in the process. exactly. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, I like that, man. Um, <laughs> right. So you, I'm going to be straight up. You're probably one of the most like busy pretty people I've ever, I've interviewed so far. Like you really? have the magazine, you have your own brand, you have like the merch that you make like with the tote bags and stuff. You have YouTube, you got the interviews that you do the marketing, the journalism, and like you do work with brands and stuff as well. So how do you yeah. manage all the things that you do? Like, how do you like schedule out like your day and how do you make sure everything gets done? Um, so this is actually, I don't think anyone's asked me this actually. That's such a good question. So I actually have a schedule. So I like schedule my days 30 days in advance, like all the time. What? So yeah, so <laughs> I'll schedule like, okay, so today, and I like put it in order based on like how I think the day is going to go. So like today, for example, my schedule was, so wait, let me check my phone just to be sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it was wake up, film, no, so write a YouTube script, film it, edit it, then post it, which was the video I just posted. And then after that, do this interview, which is what I'm just doing after I just posted that video. And then next, I'm gonna film and edit another video. And then I'm gonna do a bit of reading and then probably go to sleep. And then tomorrow is more like university stuff. So I just like schedule my days in order to make sure I don't miss anything. And some, one bad thing about me is I have a really bad memory. So like, if I don't write things down, I'll probably forget, which is why I have to be so obsessive about it. Mm -hmm. No, I, I'm the exact same way, but like I schedule, I do like a week in advance. That's all I can yeah. do at the moment. But like <laughs> if you're doing 30 days in advance, like if you like, how do you like, sometimes I'm sure you do work ahead of schedule and stuff. So how do you, how yeah. do you that? Um, so what I do is, if I, if I, so I never really work ahead of schedule. Like, so if I finish the schedule for the day early, then I just put the rest of the day in either just relaxing because I worked so hard probably the prior days, or I'll just like do more reading. Um, so I'll just like read more stuff. There's like loads of books in this house that I haven't read that I still need to read. Um, so that's normally what I do, but I try not to like overwork in one day. Otherwise, like I'll get burnout. So I try not to do that. But some days are way more hectic than others, for sure. Absolutely. How did you, like, come up with, like, I'm sure there's, like, a certain time frame that you have in mind of, like, how long you can sit down and grind out, like, some work. So, like, what's that time for you? And how did you, like, like, how did you narrow, like, it down to that window? I'm sure it's just through yeah. practice, but, like, if there's a different method. 
Um, I think you just get used to certain things. Like it depends on the task. There's things I can't do for a certain amount of time. Like editing, I can do that for. I can literally sit down for eight hours and edit without leaving a seat. But like when it comes to journalism with writing, I don't know. It takes more brain power for me to like write stuff. So after two hours on Friday, I can't. Like, after two hours of writing, I can't think of anything till the next day. I have to sleep and wake up. So. It takes me a long time to like write articles for publications and stuff because I my like creativity after two hours I don't know what it is about my head it just yeah I can't think anymore so editing I can do when it comes to research I find that stuff so fun so I can do that all day I literally do it all the time even passively on my phone I get notifications on like fashion news and stuff or on my laptop, I have them. Um, so every time I launch my laptop, there are tabs, specific tabs that open. So I can stay in check with like my favorite journalists. So I have tabs for Robin Gavan, who works for the Washington Post, um, Alexander Fury, um, who he works for a few magazines. There's Kathy Horan, who works for The Cut. There's Hamish Bowles, who works for Vogue. There's Sarah Moa, who works for Vogue. And then I have, I think, ID Magazine and Women's Wear Daily also open. So every single day, I know what's happened, at least in terms of news. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I do it. Mm -hmm. Like, you obviously enjoy the work that you do. Like, if you didn't enjoy, you wouldn't be doing it. But has it ever, has researching fashion or, or like, yeah, like let's say like for the YouTube channel, for example, like has researching for the videos ever like become work for you? Has it ever become like, okay, you like you start dreading doing the research and making the scripts and producing the videos? Um, not necessarily because luckily, like it's not like I have to post on a certain day or a certain time. So I really just take things in my own time. It seems like I post consistently. It's because I work on so many things at once. So then it's kind of like, okay, when I finish it, then I like make the video. So some scripts I've been working on for months, some are close to being done, some I've just started. So then the ones that are close to being done, that'll be the next video and then it just kind of works that way. I feel like if I was, I don't know, a massive YouTuber and I had loads of brand deals, because what normally happens when you have brand deals is they want you to post on a certain day, as a deadline, certain time, and then that could, I could see how I could like stop liking it really quickly. And that's actually a big reason why I don't work with too many sponsors. The only sponsor I've ever worked with and continue to is Skillshare because one, I use it. And then two, they're really lenient. Like they're just like, man, post between like any day you want, so long as it's this month. So, well, I'm going to post the video this month. So it's not really, that's not a difficult thing to do. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out Skillshare as soon as the exams are over. I'm like, I've heard yeah. about it from you and some other YouTubers. Definitely, I think it's worth it. Like, in hearing, like, your testimony about it, right? Like, I'm yeah. Really <laughs> worth it. Um, what's something you've learned or something someone's told you from your time at, at CSM that's, like, stuck with you up until today or something that, like, maybe, like, in terms of productivity or, like, like yeah, or mindset that stuck with you till today and that you still use to this day? Oh, so much stuff. When it comes to CSM, geez. Um, Hit me with like three, three or four, like whatever. Yeah. You're valuable, yeah. Um, so first thing is really like 
the expectation of like journalism students there is so high it's unbelievable and I got I think I got um kind of like a I'd say like a culture shock the first day I went so the when I started at CSM literally the first day so they gave us a summer project an essay to write and then the first day we got to school they told us to bring our essays there into class and then they made all of us like read out our essay in front of the whole class in front of everyone <laughs> and then they like broke down our essay in front of everyone and critiqued us like yeah you shouldn't structure your sentences like that because this that and asking us like so many questions so let me give you a good example I wrote my essay on like Ray Kalkubo and Comde Gasson so they were blasting me with questions they were like okay so you wrote your essay about Comde Gasson so who owns Comte de Gasson? So they start, they start simple. So obviously I'm like Ray Kalkuba, then they're like, okay. So what do you like about, why, why did you write about it? What do you like about this brand? Then I'm like, okay, cool. So do you go to Dover Street Market? Have you seen the garments? What do you like about the garment details? And they're like, what do you think about Spring Summer 19? What do you think about her aesthetic in the 90s? What do you think her impact is? And what they're trying to do is Basically, what they're trying to do is if you're going to write about something, you have to have knowledge of everything around it. You have to read around it because that's what a journalist, a journalist is expected to do. And I never thought that way. But now, because like I know they're like that, like now, for example, my next project is on um, like a South African designer and it's mainly about like apartheid. So I know when it comes to my crit, my crit day, they're going to ask me everything about apartheid from top to bottom. So I have to read about the history. I have to know the dates of like everything. I have to know everything around it. What's the context of apartheid? I have to know all the big names that were involved in apartheid. Because I know I'm going to get asked that and that's going to be part of my grade. Um, so I think just the way of thinking for me has totally changed. And I think that's actually a really good thing because I've brought that back to YouTube. Well, I feel like I do better research in my YouTube videos now because of that reason. Um, so I'd say that's like the first one. Um, I'd say the second one really is like the power of like networking because I think, so my first degree was in chemical engineering and the mistake I made during that degree was I had no relationship with my lecturers. I never really spoke to them I just kind of just did work on my own and got it done or whatever but that's engineering engineering is a type of industry where okay you have a second class or first class whatever we'll hire you whatever fashion no one cares like it's all about who you know like, no one cares you could have a first class degree in fashion design it literally means nothing because there's so many other people that have that and like so few jobs and just based on me always talking to my lecturers and stuff, because I'm the one that disturbs them, they then come back to me like, oh, actually, I saw this opportunity, like maybe you'd be good for it. And I've gotten such good opportunities just from that. Um, so just kind of learning the power of networking, especially at CSM, because the contacts that my lecturers have are completely insane. Like good example is the designer who I'm doing um, my collection, my project on Tebe Magugu, I thought there's no way my lecturers are going to know this like South African designer who's not that established. And my lecturer was like, oh, Tebe, yeah, I really love him. Um, 
And then it turns out my lecturer taught this guy called Ibrahim Kamara, who's like big in ID magazine. And then my lecturer also lived in South Africa and knows the mentor of the designer I was working with and actually was the person who connected Ibrahim with Tebe, which is why Ibrahim styles all of Tebe's collections. And I was oh like, God. <laughs> and they just seem to know everyone as well. It's, it's insane. That's, oh my God. Yeah. Crazy stuff, man. I'm, I'm speechless, <laughs> straight up. Um, oh man, like, I don't want to end it. That's pretty, that's pretty much all the questions I have. So like, how about yeah. you, tell me about some of the upcoming projects that you have, like you're working on. Like, don't like, don't tell me about like the videos or something. Just like say like, what can we expect from the channel in like the next few months or something? Yeah, um, I want to do like more reaction videos. Like I want to react to certain things I've seen, like certain documentaries and stuff. So definitely going to be that. Also, a big project I'm working on, I'm currently reading about the history of Balenciaga. So I have a few books I'm reading about, about Cristobal Balenciaga, and then eventually I want to make like a series on like the history of Balenciaga and stuff. But it's so vast, it's, I don't even know where to start. Like I have a book that reviews every single Balenciaga show from like the 1940s. So I'm just like, where do I start? Where do I even make the video about? Like it's, so I haven't really decided like what the starting point is. Um, but yeah, that's the main thing I'm working on. Okay. Um, last question. Do you have any non-fashion related books to recommend for me? Because I know you have that video about fashion books. I picked up a couple, they're like arriving in the next couple of days, but like, do you have any yeah. non-fashion books to, rec to recommend? Um, so I'm really into like finance because like I said, I'm like, there's certain things that are really important, like getting and owning a house and stuff like that. So I'm very tapped in, in terms of like trying to be financially literate. Um, and there's a really good book. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. And it's um, kind of like, a, have you read it? You seem to I, know. It's, it's next on the list. Yeah, it's next. On oh, the list. really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a really good financial book. Like, really, really good. Um, there's, yeah, I have a few financial books. I have to, like, find them. And then maybe I could tell you. But, yeah, mainly financial books. And I even read some, like, nonfiction. So, there's, um, there's a, what's his name? John Grisham hmm. is one of my favorite authors. And he, he writes about law and just different law things. And I find his books quite interesting. So yeah, it's not just uh, fashion books. Okay, perfect, man. <laughs> I, I know you're not all fashion, right? So I just want yeah. to do like a different like facet of you. Um, all right, last thing, where can the people find you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Actually, I changed my Instagram name today. Um, so it's I, your OJ. So it's I, Y, O, U, R, O, J, O essentially and uh youtube is the fashion archive beautiful it's all going to be linked in the um show notes as well yeah all right awesome thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it yeah thanks so much for having me yeah no like it was, it was great having <laughs> you on man. We had a i think we had a really good conversations and a lot of value here and stuff as yeah well. all right man have a good one all right you too